I think the first time I ever heard the word hallelujah uttered, I'm quite certain actually, was my grandfather. And I was a young boy. And I would love to tell you that when he uttered it, it was in some religious, biblical context. Uh, It wasn't. One of the things that he and I like to do, and again, this is, I kind of date myself. Some of you don't realize uh, what I'm about to say when I use the word AM radio, but uh, Google it, look it up. But we would listen to football games. And we'd kind of sit there and listen to football. He was a huge Packers fan. And I don't know who they were playing back then and, and, or anything like that, but they were coming back. They were coming. You know, it looked good. And, and he and I, would just, we'd sit and we'd listen to the game together. And at the last second, they made a field goal. To which, you know, a Packer fan, I guess, can do nothing but. And he just said, hallelujah. And it was, I, I remember that very vividly. And I remembered that he used the word hallelujah a lot. He had a construction business. If something got stuck and it got unstuck, we said hallelujah. If the engine wouldn't work and we could get it to work, he would say hallelujah. My grandmother made his favorite meal, he would say hallelujah. And I tell you that because hallelujah is an interesting word. It gets used a lot. In fact, you know, I, it, I, for some reason, I was just kind of thinking about that word. I, I just, I don't know why, it just kind of hit me over the last couple of weeks, the, the number of times that I hear it get used. Oh, I hear it at work. Something good happens. Someone's, oh, hallelujah. Go out to the golf course. Someone finally hits one in the fairway. What do you hear him say? Oh, Hallelujah. Child passes a test. Oh, hallelujah. We use it a lot. We use it a lot for any time something kind of good happens now. It's kind of how, and, and what's interesting to me is if you look back in time, if you look at the origin of the word, what you'll see is it really doesn't tie much to baseball games and golfing, field goals and things like that. It's really kind of, got sacred origins. In fact, to really understand the word, you almost have to go straight to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and read the third commandment. When God said, you should not take the name of the Lord in vain. Because the word hallelujah is from the Hebrew word, which says, praise Yahweh. And that's really important. And you're going to see it's important in what we talk about today. That it praise Yahweh, not just praise God. Not praise the Lord, but praise Yahweh. Yahweh was the most reverent word in the Hebrew language that you could come up with for God. In fact, it was so reverent that oftentimes they would use other terms because they felt that one was so reverent, so sacred, that it might not even be uttered at times. It was that special. It was that sacred. 
And that's where the word comes from. Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. And so that's what makes it special. And it does make it sacred. But that doesn't mean it it should be scary to us. You can be sacred, but not necessarily scared. And so I thought, hey, let's look at it. Let's look at the use of the word hallelujah in the Bible. And if we were in class, because, you know, there's certain things you can do in class that you can't do during, you know, the assembly. You know, I would say, okay, grab your Bibles. In fact, we'll do this. Just don't do the raise your hand part. Start in Genesis chapter 1. And what I would tell the class, I don't want you to do it now, is I would tell you start in Genesis chapter 1 and start flipping pages until you see the word hallelujah used in the Bible. And I would stand here. I'd stand for a while. Look at my watch, and I'd just kind of find something else to do and everything like that. And all the while, I'd hear that. Or with your thumb, whatever you kids do. Because for most of you, depending on the version that, of Bible that you have, you have sang the word hallelujah this morning more times than you have read that specific word in your Bible. Isn't that fascinating? A word that now we use in all aspects of our life. A word that, you know, just from a secular perspective, we use all the time, anytime something good happens, anytime something happens, everything like that. And it's really not found too much in the Bible specifically, written that way. Now, way, way, way back then, you know, the, the Hebrew version had it written a little bit more. Psalms 113 through 118 were often called kind of the hallelujah psalms because in its original Hebrew, it had the word a lot, but we don't have it a lot. And so we need to go to the place in the Bible where it is used. We need to go to, in my mind, the best example that we have. And the good news is it's easy to find. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, and this is very important. You know, I understand that I am now about to preach from the book of Revelation. So let's just go ahead and get some things dealt with up front so that people can take a deep breath and decompress and not panic, okay? Just, this is everything you need to know about Revelation coming into it. It was written about things that were about to happen. It was written to things that were relevant to the people at the time. It was written as a source of encouragement. It was written as a source of showing God's deliverance and just everything, the nature of God. It was to be a revelation of Jesus. It was not designed, and you can't use it to predict the day of the return of Christ. And most importantly, you don't need to freak out or panic if at the counter of McDonald's, your order comes up to $6.66. Okay, that's all you need to know. So now let's open up the book of Revelation. And in chapter 19, there's a scene. Now understand in the book of Revelation, you know, that there, you know, John has been given these visions. And again, it was things that were about to happen at that time. But John was kind of given a glimpse. And one of the scenes that he gets is the scene of the kind of the, the altar or the, kind of the throne of God. 
And one of the things that he gets to see is that God is on his throne. And he gets this vision of everything that surrounds the throne of God. And the reverence that surrounds the throne of God. And we, we see that there's these 24 elders, you know, that represent, you know, kind of both, you know, the 12 tribes and, and the 12 apostles and just, you know, just God's followers. We see these four living creatures, which we understand represents all of creation. And John gets to see this. Now, along the way, John also gets to see, you know, that God is going to deal with certain things and that God is going to bring judgment and that God is going to get involved in the lives of his people. And then we come back to the throne and then we'll see and we'll talk about trumpets and we'll talk about bowls and we'll talk about seals and there'll be something to do with that. And then we come back and we see the throne of God. So in chapter 19, which is toward the end of the book of Revelation, John gets his vision. And this is after God has dealt with the things that he was going to deal with. This is after God said, enough, I am dealing with this. And in chapter 19, and your Bible may actually say right there is a heading, the fourfold hallelujah. Because in these verses, in six verses, we're going to see that the word hallelujah is used four times. And we're going to look at it, we're going to understand why. And we're going to look at kind of the four characters, because what happens here is they didn't just sort of something happy happened. It is in each and every one of these times, those that knew God, those that follow God, recognized an attribute of God, recognized some part of God's nature, of who he is, and is, you know, just kind of, and something about that. And when that happened, and when they began to understand this aspect of God, they had no other reverent response than to say, praise Yahweh, hallelujah. Chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. And we'll look at kind of each of these. There's four things that they notice about God. And like I said, each time they notice one of these characteristics, they said, hallelujah. But again, it was them recognizing this nature of God. The first thing they noticed about God, they recognized his sovereignty. Chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, And after these things I heard something like the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. As they looked at God and they attributed to him his nature, his glory, his power, salvation, glory, and power, they had no other choice but to be reverent. They had no other choice but to say, Praise God. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in, in, we're kind of goofy people, uh, but we all do similar things. Have you ever been around somebody who, under normal circumstances, yeah, you might not have thought about it twice? 
thought about them twice. You may or may not have said anything to them. You may or might have said anything nice to them. But all of a sudden, if they've got a certain power over you, we change our tune just a little bit. I mean, I would like to think that I'm nice to everybody. Okay? I can be grumpy and, and everything like that. I would like to think I'm not. But it's amazing how nice I get when I travel with somebody who may or may not be able to put me in the seat that I like, may or may not have the power to put me in the room that I really, really prefer. We understand what that's like. And when somebody does something nice to us, something that we don't deserve, something that we could not have done on our own, it's amazing how grateful we get. When they open up the line there at the grocery store and, and we get to kind of jump up there so we don't have, oh, we're so thankful, aren't we? When our food comes, we're very, very thankful. When someone's, you know, I'm really not supposed to, but here, let me do this for you. Oh, thank you so much. What a great employee. And, and that's a, that is a natural reaction. And if that's a natural reaction, so much more is the reaction when you come to grips with the sovereignty of God. And, it, and if you look at those three things that they witnessed, power, okay, we get that. Glory. Salvation. When you look at those three things, I mean, we could parse words and we could do, you know, come up with a lot. You're not going to find anything else that defines the sovereignty of God, why he is God, why there is only one God, power, glory, salvation. The second thing that we see is judgment. This is important. They're all important, but in verse 2, because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, hallelujah. Praise God, praise Yahweh for his sovereignty, but praise God for his judgment. Now, this isn't discernment, this is judgment. That God is to be praised, that God is to be revered because he has in his nature the capacity to judge. Because in the very beginning they said salvation, glory, and power. And now he has judged. And that is so very important. And it's especially important as you understand, you watch how the book of Revelation is written, you know, that time and time again, God's people from the very beginning, actually don't even do the book of Revelation, go all the way back to the very beginning. When God's people got in trouble, what did they do? They cried out. God, do you see us? God, do you notice? God, we are in the midst of evil. And he does see. He is to be praised. He saw the family of Noah at a time when the world was doing nothing but continual evil. 
He talked about in the book of Revelation how he has sealed his people. That they may know that he sees them. And in this, and understand, you know, what's going on kind of in the, in the book of, of Revelation is, is the fall of the Roman Empire is what he's addressing. Because at the time that Roman Empire was horrible to Christians. Not just sort of leading them astray or trying to lead them astray, but horrible. They were persecuted. They were tortured. They were killed. None of it was done in a humane way. And so this great harlot that, that he sees represents the Roman Empire. And God judges. And for that, they said, hallelujah. The third aspect of God is his deliverance. The sovereignty, the judgment, the deliverance. Which is, you know, kind of another way of saying salvation. But understand it, especially you look at the deliverance here. And he talks about it, finishing up verse 3 from before. And a second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. It wasn't that they rejoiced necessarily, but that they revered God because of what he had done. And when the Bible says that her smoke rises up forever and ever, you know, if you've ever seen kind of the remnants of a burnt building, if you've ever seen remnants of, of some, you know, catastrophe, you know, even a day or two later, you can still kind of see wisps of smoke. Maybe not as thick as when the fire was, you know, kind of in it, but you, and those wisps of smoke remind you that destruction took place. Those wisps of smoke will remind you that where there once was a house, there's no longer a house. Where there's once a building, there's no longer a building. And the wisp of smoke reminds where there once was a harlot, where there once was this nation that did these horrible things in their destruction that God's people can be reminded they have been defeated. You know, the Bible talks about things like that. Turn over to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, talking about destruction, talking about deliverance. He writes, and he will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. He will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said in that day, behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Now notice the passage there in, in, chapter, in, in Isaiah. Uh, we see all the things that he's going to destroy. And that's great. Death and tears. The reproach that falls upon his people. But notice a word that is also in there. 
You see it in chapter 9 a couple of times. That's the word wait. Because in that is the acknowledgement that God will deliver from all of those things. But we may have to wait a little bit. Ruth Hall has been delivered from a lot of things that plagued her physically. And bless her heart, she did have to wait. But God delivered. And as the people gathered around the throne of God in the book of Revelation, they recognized that they did have to wait. But they also recognized that God delivered. And when they recognized that deliverance, they fell down and said, Hallelujah. His sovereignty, his judgment, his deliverance. And then the fourth thing that they noticed about God, the fourth nature of God that caused them to go face down in reverence, was his eternal reign. And a voice came in verse 5, and a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all of you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, notice this, for our Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. When Peter spoke of God and he spoke of his kingdom in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 11, he, sp- it's, he called it the eternal kingdom of God. That God reigns. And not just he, he reigns, but that he reigns forever. We live in a period of time where we think of you know, reigning in four-year increments, don't we? This president, this whatever, and, and that's how we think of things. We talk about this administration, the next administration, whether we're talking encouraging, whether we're frustrated, it doesn't really much matter, but we think in those terms. And you can look back on the, I mean, we've had a lot of presidents. The world's had a lot of kings. The world has only had one God. And we'll only have one God. And when they noticed that, they said, praise Yahweh. For he reigns. We've already seen that he has power. He has glory. He has salvation. We have seen that he has judgment. He's got the ability to deliver. He's got the ability to destroy. He's got the ability to preserve. But he will do so and he will reign as king forever. And when they notice that, They screamed, they yelled, hallelujah, the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. And when you understand this scene, you understand why I think this is a really important word. This word deserves to be in our vocabulary on a regular basis. It is important to say it more often, but it's imperative to say it more right. Because it, it never was born out of fun and frolic. It was never born out of you know, 
I'll say, trivial things of life. It was never born out of seemingly unimportant things or anything like that. It was born out of reverence. And the best example that we have in the Bible here, in Revelation chapter 19, you see tremendous reverence. And you understand that they weren't just saying hallelujah. They were saying, praise Yahweh. Praise be to the one true God. The one who is sovereign, the one who judges, the one who delivers, and the one who reigns. And you look at this, and so then kind of the last couple of questions, I guess, is who says hallelujah? Well, the Bible tells us here. The Bible says, who says it? All of his followers. All those that have spoken the name All those that have aligned with him. The Bible says, you, his bondservants. Remember, bondservant is a a term that's used a lot of times in the New Testament. Those who follow, those who do things. He says, those who fear him, you who fear him. He says, whether you're small or whether you're great. Who says hallelujah? Hallelujah. God's redeemed because they're the ones that understand his sovereignty, his judgment, his deliverance, and his eternal reign. But here's the thing that's kind of cool. Hey, actually, it's very cool, not just kind of cool. We know who says it, but look at how they say it. Yes, it's a sacred term. Yes, it is a reverent term. But notice how they say it, and if you watch through it, in verse 1, we heard it says, something like the loud voice of a great multitude. Understand what we saw here, and what we're getting a glimpse of is when the word hallelujah is used, it is not used in a passive way. It is bold. It is undeniable. Whether it is shouted or not, whether it comes with great volume or not, it is said with conviction. It is said with belief. It is said with a devout reverence that would stand in the face of anything. Hallelujah. In fact, it goes on. And when he describes this great multitude of people that are saying, praise Yahweh, the best words that John can come up with, the best comparison that he can possibly muster is peals of thunder and the sound of rushing water. Praise Yahweh. We are about to sing a song. The song is called Shout Hallelujah. And if we were in training hour, I would say, okay, let's understand the emphasis of the word is not for everybody to shout, because that's not what I'm trying to get you to do. But I am trying to get you to sing it with boldness. I'm trying to get you to sing it with conviction. Because when you say shout hallelujah, you are saying shout praise unto Yahweh. But here's the thing. If you are not a child of God, that's not a shout that you can proclaim. Because the Bible says those who follow him, 
are the ones that get to understand him. Those are the ones who fear him. And so this morning, it's more important that you be able to shout hallelujah. And if reuniting or with God is what is needed, and if we can help you in any way, we do ask you to go and meet the elders in the back. Let us shout praise unto Yahweh as we finish.